Sometimes you just have to do something to get over your doubt. What's up? I'm your bro, Dr. Mario Escobedo, pastor and online Bible teacher. It wasn't all that long ago that I lacked the confidence, knowledge, and tools to feed my desire to dig deeper into God's Word. Fast forward past many lessons learned, mentors, and personal encounters with God, and you'll see the incredible privilege God has given me to teach the Bible to others. I'm convinced now more than ever that it's been God's Word that has led me to discover and fulfill the purpose God designed for me. I created the Christian Bro Code Podcast to help you on your journey to do the same. If you're a Christian bro who wants to grow as a disciple of Jesus so you can live, love, and lead in a way that honors God, you're in the right place. Let's get started, bro. Hey, what's up? It's your bro, Dr. Mario Escobedo. Thank you very much for tuning in to another episode of the Christian Bro Code Podcast. You are listening to Season 3, Episode Number 9, and this episode is being released on Saturday, September the 19th, 2020. And like, like I always say, there's a new episode the first and third Saturday of every single month, and I do it on Saturdays at 7.30 in the morning. That way, if you have stuff to do throughout the day, cut the grass, change the oil, whatever you've got to do. Uh, for example, right now, my wife and I, were painting our house. I'll tell you more about that in a little bit. But if you've got stuff to do during the day on Saturday, which is typically our chore day, right, then you've got something to listen to as you're doing whatever you're doing. So every first and third Saturday of every single month, there's a new episode of the Christian Bro Code Podcast. And like I said, right now, you're listening to Season 3, Episode number 9. And let me ask you to do this if uh, you're so inclined. Make sure that you're subscribed to the podcast on whatever platform, whatever app you're using to listen to the podcast, make sure you subscribe. Uh, also, you can like and share, let others know about the podcast. Uh, if you know if it's if it's benefiting you, right? If it's not, then well, then I don't know why you're listening. But if you're listening, it's probably because you're you're getting some benefit out of it. And I'm sure you know of some Christian bros who would also benefit from listening to these podcasts. So uh, go ahead and help me out with that. And like I said, this is season three, episode number nine, and we've got a, a very interesting. A topic that I'd like to talk to you about today, especially in light of uh, all the COVID stuff that's been going on. Uh, we're at about month number six, I guess, five or six months since we went down into lockdown and, and quarantine and, and all that stuff. So uh, I've got something I want to share with you uh, that I shared not too long ago, actually, with the people in my congregation and I uh, just want to give you this this word. But before we get into that, a couple of things I want to I want to mention to you. And I, I don't think I've ever done this on an episode of the podcast, but I'm going to make a couple of recommendations to you. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to recommend a couple of things to you. Now, I've hesitated to do recommendations in the past because then if if you don't like something, then, you know, maybe that damages my credibility. And you say, oh, man, he recommended something last time and it, it was a bomb. But, but anyway, I am going to recommend two things for you in this episode. The first thing I'm going to recommend is uh, this only works for you if you have Netflix. On Netflix, there is this sort of uh, documentary drama hybrid type of thing, and it's called The Social Dilemma. And let me just read to you the description uh, of, of this uh, 
of this show on Netflix. It's about an hour and a half long, and this is this is the description. This documentary drama hybrid explores the dangerous human impact of social networking with tech experts sounding the alarm on their own creations. Now, I just watched this today as I was painting my kitchen and living room, and it was very interesting, really interesting, because it talks about the effects of social media. We're talking about YouTube, uh, Twitter, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, all these things. And just the internet in general, uh, Google and Gmail and all those kinds of things, and how they are shaping culture, how they're shaping society. Really interesting. And I've even, I've even, as, as I was watching watching this, uh, as I was painting my kitchen, I said, you know, we're going to have a movie night at our house, and this is what we're going to watch. I'm, now I'm going to have to force my family to watch this. This is not something that they would want to watch, but. I have two teenagers at home, a 19-year-old and a 16-year-old. And uh, like typical teenagers of nowadays, they're on social media quite a bit. And so I want I want us to sit together and, and watch this as a family. I don't want it, I'm not trying to make it like a gotcha moment, like, hey, you see, I told you. No, it's not one of those things. I want us to watch it and then have a discussion about how we can use social media responsibly. Because at the end of this show, like I said, it's about uh, an hour and a half, these tech experts, they, they give some insights on what can be done to use social media responsibly. What I found very interesting uh, about this show, I found, I found this very interesting, that um, it's people, the people who are being interviewed are people who worked. I, I don't think any of them work anymore, but they used to work in one of these big tech companies. So you had former Google employees and high level, I'm, I'm talking like vice president levels at Google, Pinterest, uh, Facebook, some early Facebook employees, Twitter, and they're talking about the dangers of social media and the dangers that they feel that they've contributed to. And so they're kind of rethinking all the things that they've done. Anyway, really interesting, especially if you have teens at home or uh preteens about to go into the teen and they're already looking for a device, you know, a phone or something. Uh, I, I really recommend that you watch this and, and just, I mean, just, just take it for whatever it's worth. The second thing I want to recommend to you, maybe you've already seen this, but because it's been out for a while, there's a series, a new, it's, it's kind of like a TV series, but it's, it's actually an app for your phone and it's called the chosen. And this is a series on the life of Jesus. Now, the only way I can describe this and, and why I liked this, I already saw the first season. The only way I can describe this is that it's not cheesy. I've seen some movies and some other adaptations of Jesus's life on film or for TV. And I don't know, they just have this cheesiness. I, I mean, I, that's a really technical cinematic term, obviously. They just have this cheesiness factor to them. But this one, this one, it, it felt good. Like I watched it. And, you know, some of the episodes are better than others. Some of the characters are better than others. Some of the actors are better than others. But overall, I enjoyed it. And it 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 presented to me, at least, a, a different perspective of the life and ministry of Jesus. And I, I, I enjoyed it. So if you want to check that out, it's called The Chosen, and it's an app. You actually download the app onto your phone so you can watch the episodes absolutely free. Although, if you want to, you can donate 
And they're they're picking up funds right now through donations in order to produce season number two. Well, as of right now. So maybe it's out by the time you're listening to this episode. But uh, as of right now, to the best of my knowledge, season two is not out yet. Now, I actually invited a friend of mine, a uh, really good friend of mine, Orlando Lopez. He's actually been on the podcast way back when I first started the podcast. Good friend of mine from back in my Bible school days. I invited him uh, to come on the podcast with me and that we would do sort of a review critique reaction to the series. We just need to coordinate our, our calendars so that we can do that. Uh, and just, just talk about that and what we liked about it, what we didn't like about it. So I, I don't have any dates for you, but sometime in the future, you'll see an episode or a series of episodes where he and I, we talk about this series on the chosen. So anyway, those are two recommendations for you. Check them out, see what you think about them. And, uh, I don't, I ho- hopefully you'll, you'll enjoy these recommendations. Let's go ahead and get into the teaching that I have for you uh, in this episode, and I'm, I'm going to talk to you from the the event the evangel. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking in Spanish, el evangelio, the gospel of John, chapter twenty, verses twenty four through twenty nine, and this is where Jesus has the conversation and his encounter with who we now know as doubting Thomas, right? With Thomas, and I want I want to talk about this in the context of what's taking place right now with COVID and all that, because I've actually already done a Bible study episode on Doubting Thomas. This was back, oh man, two and a half years ago, April 9th of 2018. I already did a, a, an episode on Doubting Thomas. And and I'm sure what I'm going to share with you in this episode, it might overlap a little bit. I'm, I mean, that's bound to happen. I'm dealing with the same passage, but I want to emphasize one point in particular and and tie that to what's happening right now, to the whole COVID situation that's happening right now. And again, take take whatever I'm saying with a grain of salt, right? You you have to make your own decisions for yourself and for your sam for your own family. But here's here's what I want to what I want to talk to you. Before we get into verses 24 through 29, let me back up just a little bit, verses 19 through 22. This is where Jesus appeared to the disciples for the first time after his resurrection. Doors were locked. The disciples were locked away in some house somewhere because obviously they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. I'm thinking they were probably thinking to themselves, if that's what they did to Jesus, imagine what they'll do to us, right? And so Jesus shows up and he says, peace be with you. He tells them that twice, in fact, and receive the Holy Spirit. Then we jump into verse 24. And when you begin reading verse 24, the very first thing that you encounter is Thomas, also known as Didymus. And what we find out is that Thomas was not with the disciples when Jesus came. That first time, just a few verses above, that first time that Jesus showed up to the disciples, Thomas wasn't there. Now, we have no clue. We have no level of detail that would let us know where he was, what he was doing, and why he wasn't with the other disciples that first time that Jesus showed up. So, of course, the the disciples who had been there, they tell him, hey, we we saw the Lord we have seen the Lord. That's in verse 25. And then the, the very famous or infamous response from Thomas in verse 25, he said this, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Now, Thomas is asking for quite a bit. I mean, he's not just asking to see Jesus. He's not just asking to see Jesus' wounds. I mean, he wants to stick his fingers in the wounds. He wants to put his hand into his side. And and then if that were to happen, then according to Thomas, then I'll believe. 
Okay. So he's asking for quite a bit. So what we find out in verse 26 is that a week later, the disciples were together in that same house. So this is, this is another occurrence. And this time we find out that Thomas was with them. Okay, so follow the sequence. The first time Jesus shows up, Thomas wasn't with them. The disciples tell, them, tell Thomas about the time Jesus showed up. He doesn't believe it. He wants proof. And then sometime later, a week later to be exact, they're all together again, and this time Thomas is there. And so you, I think you know the, the story from this point forward. Jesus shows up. He walks through a locked door just like he did the first time, and he says, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, go ahead. Put your finger right here, buddy. See my hands? Go ahead. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas's response, my Lord and my God. Yeah, okay, Thomas, th that's great. <laughs> now that you've seen him and he took you up on your offer, now you declare my Lord and my God. And then Jesus's response to Thomas was, because you have seen me, you have believed. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now, Thomas has gotten uh, a, a really bad rap. He's, he's, he's taken a lot of flack for, flack a word? Flack? I think it is. Anyway, he, we've talked a lot about Thomas. And we've talked a lot about how he doubted and he was the doubting disciple and how, how could he, after spending so much time with Jesus and seeing all the miracles and how he raised Lazarus from the, and just, you know, we just go down the litany of things that Thomas uh, witness Jesus do, and how could he doubt? How could he doubt? Now, before we get too hard, go too hard after Thomas, let's remember that the other disciples doubted as well. When they were first told by the women that they had seen Jesus, they they doubted a little bit as well. Okay, So Thomas, I mean, he's taken the most heat for doubting, but he wasn't the only one of the disciples who doubted. The other disciples doubted as well. But I guess because of Thomas's, you know, really, ex just really extreme request to stick his hands into Jesus's wounds, that's probably why Thomas has received the bad rap that he's received. And it's interesting to me, several things here are, are very interesting to me. First of all, in these two encounters, when Jesus shows up with the disciples when Thomas isn't there, and then when Jesus shows up to the disciples when Thomas is there, on both occurrences, Jesus says, peace be with you. And this is this is an important point to to highlight, because it's not just like, "Hey, peace be with you." Hey, nice, nice greeting, right, right. Peace be with you. This this was this was, I think, a restorative act. In fact, I've talked about this in another episode as well. That was back in April sixteenth of two thousand eighteen, when Jesus talks about, uh, or when Jesus says, "Peace be with you," because the word that Jesus would have used, speaking Aramaic or possibly Hebrew, chances are he wasn't speaking Greek. But he would have used the word shalom. And even if he hadn't used the actual Hebrew or Aramaic word shalom, if he used the Greek word irene, the concept would have still been there. And here's what I mean by the concept. In, in the Hebrew culture, shalom is a greeting. It still is to this day. But it doesn't only mean peace in the sense of the absence of strife or the absence of conflict. It, it means more than that. Shalom means a wholeness, to be complete, to be whole, not to be missing anything. That's what shalom means. If you have shalom, it's not 
only that you have peace, that you're at peace, that you're not agitated. It means that you're, you're complete, that nothing is missing. You're whole. And so when Jesus encounters the disciples these two times after his resurrection, and he declares shalom, I think he's declaring wholeness over them. I think they felt as if a piece of them had been yanked out. I mean, they had been following Jesus for three years, and and for all intents and purposes, he let them down. Okay, from their perspective in that moment when he died, when he was crucified, when he was put into the tomb, he lost, right? He, he let them down. And so they were broken. A, a piece of them was no longer, they were no longer whole. And so the resurrected Jesus, when he declares, peace be with you, shalom, he's saying, not just be calm, but be whole again. And I think that's really important, especially when we come to the episode with Thomas. That he, obviously he's saying peace be with you to all of them, but I'm wondering if he looked at Thomas when he said, Thomas, peace, be whole again. The doubt that you're experiencing has, has left a, a, a gap. It's left a, a breach, a hole, a chasm in you. You're no longer complete. You're no longer whole. You have a gap in you. I declare peace over you. And so with that, I, I noticed that Jesus didn't condemn Thomas. And I, I pointed that out in the, in the previous episode that I did on this passage. Jesus didn't condemn Thomas. That, that, that's important to point out. Jesus did not condemn Thomas. Now, at the same time, even though Jesus didn't condemn Thomas, notice this, he didn't condemn him, but he did expect him to believe again. And that's an important point to make. It's it's a little bit. It's not tension necessarily, but it is two sides of one coin. He he didn't condemn Thomas for doubting, and he didn't exclude Thomas. He didn't disqualify Thomas from being an apostle, being a disciple. In fact, Thomas went on to do great things. He didn't condemn. He he didn't judge him. He didn't exclude him because of his doubt, but he did expect him to believe again. Because he tells him, stop doubting and believe. So even though he doesn't exclude him, he doesn't disqualify him, he makes it very clear, you need to believe again. And, and what, what I want to point out to you here is that even though Thomas has gotten a pretty bad rap, even though Thomas has, you know, forever, he's going to be known as Doubting Thomas, right? I think Thomas did something that you and I we need to imitate. I think Thomas did something that is, is worthy of imitation. In spite of his doubt, he did something that actually helped him get over his doubt. And I think, especially as we're going through this situation, this COVID-19 situation, this might be a, a timely word for us. Because I'm guessing, and this isn't the case with everyone, I'm sure, but I'm guessing that there are some who are out there who, as a result of this, all this COVID stuff and the lockdowns and the quarantines and et cetera, maybe you've entered into a season of doubt of your own. Maybe someone in your family has contracted COVID and, and, and maybe they've even passed away. And so you've entered into a moment, into a season of doubt. 
And maybe you're just right along there with Thomas where you're doubting. Well, I do want you to remember Jesus doesn't condemn you for your doubt, but he does expect you to believe again. But let me talk about Thomas for a second. And, and what I think Thomas did that is worthy of imitation. Remember, Thomas wasn't there the first time that Jesus appeared to the disciples. The disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. Thomas said, I don't believe you. I, I, you're, you're either hallucinating or you're just straight out lying. You're delirious. You're crazy. And the only way I'm going to believe is if this, this, and this happens. But even with that, even with that doubt, I think in the back of his mind, Thomas was hoping that what they said was true. I mean, he made it very clear. I'm not going to believe unless I see the nail marks and I put my finger where the nails were and I put my hat into the side. That's the only way. That's the only way I'm going to believe. You guys are crazy. This is not true. But I bet, I just have to believe that in the back of his mind, Thomas was thinking, oh man, I hope that what they're saying is true. It would be awesome if what they're saying is true. And the reason I think this is because of what verse 26 says. I mean, right after Thomas said, I will not believe, right after that, in verse 26 of John chapter 20, this is what we read. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Huh. Thomas was with them. The reason I find that interesting is because if Thomas were just at the point of no return, I mean, he just, if he was absolutely serious and certain about his final statement, I will not believe, I, I don't think he would have been with the disciples. I think he would have been, forget this stuff and forget you guys. I'm going back to what I was doing three years ago. We, we've, been, we've been hoodwinked. We believed in something. It didn't happen. Forget it. I'm out of here. But that's not what happened. A week later, after Thomas said, I will not believe, a week later, where do you find Thomas? With the disciples. Now, there could be a whole bunch of different reasons as to why Thomas was there with the disciples. Maybe he was afraid to travel because he'd be recognized as a disciple of Jesus. That, that's, that's valid. I can see that. Maybe he just, you know, he's still going through this period of mourning and, and he's just like, oh man, you know, I, I just need to be with people I know. Maybe he's thinking, I can't go back to my family because, you know, I left them and I left everything to follow Jesus. How am I going to go back to them? But I have to think, I mean, I just have to believe that somewhere in Thomas's mind, that one of the reasons he was there with the disciples a week later after he had said, I will not believe, is because he was thinking, what if? Maybe. Oh man, wouldn't it be great if what they're saying is true? And based on that, and I understand that's that's a bit of speculation. There's no we can no way we can psychoanalyze Thomas here. But I'm going to say that that may be may have been one of the reasons why Thomas showed up and why he was with the other disciples, hoping that what they had said was true. And what do you know? Jesus showed up. And and what I what I want to point out here is that Thomas did something. He was he was right in the middle of his doubt, not believing, had just finished saying, I will not believe, but he did something. What did he do? He showed up. 
He showed up with the other disciples. He showed up where maybe he knew and he thought, well, if Jesus is going to show up anywhere, it's going to be here with these guys. It's going to be with them again. And so in spite of his doubt, in the middle of all his doubt, what does Thomas do? He does something. And he does something in the middle of, and in spite of his doubt, he does something that I think he did in order to help overcome his doubt. I think he's hoping in the back of his mind, he's thinking in the back of his mind, I hope it's true. And and you know what? Just in case it is true, I'm going to go where these guys are. I'm going to do something about it. He, he could have kept on sulking. He could have just said, forget you guys. I'm out of here. I never want to see you guys again. I never want to talk to you guys again. I'm out of here. But that didn't happen. He showed up. He did something. And as I think about the situation we're going through now with all this COVID stuff, I, you know, I, I get it. You know, we're, we're, we're all experiencing a certain level of anxiety. We're all experiencing a certain level of frustration now, right? All of us. And maybe we're, some of us are experiencing a certain level of doubt in God's goodness and God's power and God's sovereignty and God's protection, all those things. But I have to believe that if you've been following Jesus for any length of time, that somewhere in the back of your mind, there's that what if. There's that, there's that hope that, that Jesus is still going to show up, that Jesus didn't lose, that this situation didn't catch God by surprise, that there is still something that God can do in spite of this and even in spite of your doubt. And so I would say that what one of the things that we would learn from Thomas from this passage would be, do something, show up, overcome your doubt. Do something that would help you overcome your doubt. You've got to do something. Let's not be passive. Let's not just sit back and wait for things to get back to how they were before or to some semblance of how they were before to then say, okay, now I'm, I'm, I'm going to follow Jesus again. All right. Things are back to normal. All right, I'm going to get back into my routine of following Jesus. No, it's it's now. It's the right now is the moment in the middle of the crisis, in the middle of the doubt, in the middle of your own doubt, in the middle of the situation. This is where you do something to demonstrate that you still have faith in Jesus, that you still hold out hope that He can do something, even in the worst of situations. Now, look, Thomas and the disciples were encountering. What I would have to say was the worst of situations. Their rabbi, their master, the man that they had declared was God, had died. And all the the dreams and all the plans and all the things that he said were going that he was going to do, they died right there with him. I mean, they were experiencing a bad situation, probably worse than anything you and I have had to experience. Yet they did something. Specifically, Thomas. He did something in spite of that, I would call it a crushing and overwhelming doubt that said, led him to say, I will not believe. He did something. And so I I want you, over the next few days, maybe just over, over the rest of this day, to be thinking about what it is that you have to do, what it is that you can do to overcome your doubt. You know, I just got to text there. Don't know why. Anyway, to overcome your doubt. 
And for you, it, you know what it might be? I, I, when I preached this, this uh, passage in a sermon to my congregation, I was addressing the people who were online because, of course, like everyone else, we've been doing online church. We have on-campus church as well, but we're doing online church. And, and I just looked into the camera and I said, it's time for you to come back to church. It's time for you to come back to church. I know things are scary. Things are uncertain. You might be doubting. I, I get it. I know. I understand. But it's time for you to come back to church. And for you, maybe that's what you have to do. Maybe that's the thing that you have to do. Like Thomas, who, who, who did something, maybe what you have to do is get back to church. Maybe you've been absent from church for the past five or six months. And maybe you've been joining virtually. Yeah, okay, that, that's, that's legit. Okay, I, I give you that. But there's just something about being in the same room with other members of the body of Christ. Maybe you have to get back to church. Maybe, maybe you've been withholding your tithes because the economy is uncertain, because you don't know, maybe there's some instability at work. Stuff is still coming in. You still have an income, but, you know, just in case, I think God will understand if I don't tithe this time, you know, overcome that. And maybe what you have to do is to get back into that spiritual discipline of tithing. Maybe you've abandoned the the daily habit of reading scripture. Maybe you've abandoned your daily habit of praying. There's something, I would have to say that there's probably something that each one of us, as a result of this situation, we, we've abandoned, we've stopped doing it because the situation just, it, that's how just it manifested itself in our lives. I would say, let's take, let's take an example from Thomas. And in the middle of his doubt, in the middle of the worst crisis he had probably ever experienced in his entire life, there was still a bit of hope in the back of his mind, in the bottom of his heart that drove him to do something to overcome his doubt. And so I'll tell you, it's time to do something to get you over that hump of doubt. And, and you're going to, you know, I, I laid out some examples. I laid out some, some for instance, I, uh, instance, I, I, I laid out some suggestions of what that could look like for you, but only you can decide. I mean, this is between you and God. Only you can decide. But I would have to think that for each of us, there's something there's something that this whole situation over the past five or six months, something spiritually as spiritual has been affected in our own lives. It's time, it's time to do something to get back to where we need to be. It's time to do something to overcome that hump of doubt. And and you know, I I think that when I looked at this passage again, now I've I've seen this passage. Oh man, I've grown up reading this passage, I'm sure you have as well. But I'm thinking that had I had we not been through this COVID situation, I probably would not have seen this passage in this light. And I probably wouldn't have seen Thomas in this way. I probably would have kept on seeing Thomas as, you know, doubting Thomas. But I can sympathize a little bit more with Thomas now. Now that we're all going through this situation, I look at Thomas and I can say, man, that was tough what he went through, but look what he did anyway. Look at his response in light of this situation. And so I'll leave that with you. I'll leave that with you for you to think about, meditate on that for a little bit. And maybe you're doing fine. If so, then okay, great. Get, keep on keeping on. That, that's fantastic. Maybe you're hearing this because there's someone in your congregation or in your neighborhood that, that you need to share this with. That, that'd be great as well. But if you know that there's something that you've dropped the ball on as a result of this whole COVID situation, I just want you to take time to reflect on this. Go back and read the passage for yourself. It's John chapter 20, 
verses 24 through 29, and just let God speak to you through that. Is there something that he's asking you to do that's going to help you overcome your doubt? And if so, hey, that's a win, right? You've taken a step. You've taken a step of spiritual growth. And that's what it's all about. That's what I tell you in every episode of the Christian Bro Code podcast, that this podcast is all about helping you grow as a disciple of Jesus so that you can advance the mission that Jesus started. And here's an, an excellent opportunity, a perfect situation for each one of us to do something to get back on track in advancing the mission that Jesus started, to to get back on track on fulfilling your particular role in advancing the mission that Jesus started. So take some time. John chapter 20, verses 24 through 29. Check those out. Check those out. Check out that passage. Read it. And in fact, I would even recommend this, that you go back up to verse 19. Read John 20, 19 through 29, so you can get a better flavor of what's going on in those verses and then just meditate on that. Just, just think about it over the, the next few hours, over the next few days, and just let the Lord speak to you through those two passages. All right, bro, that's all I've got for you for this episode. Hey, remember, subscribe to the podcast. Give it a like. Share it with others. Brand new episode, the first and third Saturday of every single month at 7.30 a.m. You can count on that. And the entire reason for doing this is to help you grow as a disciple of Jesus so that you can continue advancing the mission that Jesus started. Until next time, God bless, bro.